0: Hello and welcome to Machine Rehab Radio. I'm Elliot. Today, I am joined by a special guest, Michelle Cordero. She is a high school athletic trainer in Miami. And today, we're going to be discussing the high school athlete. Thank you very much for joining me, Michelle. Please introduce yourself.
1: Hey, Elliot. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's a pleasure. Um, Yeah, so I, I am in Miami. I work primarily with high school athletes, in in all different sports, um, I've also had the opportunity to work outside of the high school with teams like Puerto Rico lacrosse, uh, the women's U nineteen uh, Columbia basketball national team, as well as some some elite athletes in the collegiate setting and and so forth with the U S youth soccer. So I've I've done quite a bit of of coverage and have seen quite a bit throughout my career and so I'm excited to share some of my experience with you all today.
0: Fantastic. So I think we should just dive right in and you work with a very wide range of athletes in sport and age. What would you say the importance is for making sure that at those ages of potential musculoskeletal immaturity that they're working with qualified professionals in order to maintain and have a safe development?
1: Absolutely, I think it is
0: absolutely vital
1: and I think it should be the the, the first most obvious thought. However, it, it, it certainly is not and I think of you know parents wanting their best for their kids that are you know are interested in doing sports and here in America, you know, there's certainly a a huge sort of competition in this mentality of, you know, having to have one leg up and being the best and getting all this training. And, you know, that that can certainly be part of this conversation or a topic for another day as far as youth sports and, and specialization and whatnot. But I think along the, those lines, you know, parents are seeking to get that edge, you know, for their kids. And enter you know any kind of of sports trainer and we were we were talking about how i see a lot of skills coaches for example you know somebody who's a basketball coach you know traditionally and how that gray line uh, or that crossover into physical training within the sport of basketball in this in this scenario all of a sudden now they are also taking on that responsibility and they are physically training, you know, these young athletes without really having any kind of formal education, any sort of training really besides, you know, their good intentions and wanting to, to maybe condition the athletes and work with them in the off season. But I see more and more of, of this sort of jump. And you know, I don't think parents know any better, necessarily. they're just looking at you know the coach having good intentions and they're going to work you know with my kid and I really see a lot of just like poor movement, poor programming and and I look at you know the videos online of of them training and i'm, I'm they're going through these workouts and and when I'm looking at what they're doing to their bodies i'm I'm thinking this is just a recipe for disaster
0: <laughs> yeah. I um I did a tweet about it the other day saying that I'd seen three services within ten minutes of being on social media offered by coaches, PTs, trainers that from a first glance and a little bit of digging they didn't appear to be qualified to do so. Um, th- you describing there about making sure everything is safe. You've got that correct form. You're letting Junior athletes have that solid base to have great development. You don't have to accelerate them as fast as you can. I heard a great term by Mark Williams, who has been doing all the basketball England strength and conditioning, um, mm-hmm. which has been fantastic on social media. And he referred to the term as neurally plastic. So, yeah. if at a junior level they're more plastic, you've they're more malleable to those. Great foundations that we need. So squat, hip hinge. Mm-hmm.
1: Then absolutely,
0: we've got to reinforce that. That's that's going to be the basis for future development. But then, when you have an older athlete who isn't as neurally plastic, you're still going to have to reinforce that because yeah. it should be consistent. You've got to be consistent in your message. Um, so I, I absolutely,
1: absolutely. And I and I think at least, and I, you know, I'll speak from over here, you know, in in the United States, at least there's, there's sort of this, this drive to, to equal training with going heavy and going intense. And, you know, it's very sexy, right. To, to post a video or a training session where you've got all this heavy weight that you're pushing around, Man, you were doing squats and all these, you know, Olympic lifts, and you're, you know, you're sprinting, you know, holding a weight, like you know, I don't know, these crazy workouts, and you know, those certainly have their place, but it seems to me that 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 is in the minds of, of, of people. I'm talking about parents, you know, young athletes themselves, and, and you know, coaches that see this that take on then that role without really the preparation that that, that equals having a good workout right? So I'm going to work with this young athlete and get him in shape, get him stronger, faster. However, it's not very sexy to slow, de- slow things down, correct a movement pattern that perhaps it, it, on assessment it seems faulty, right? And now we have to maybe work with, with just some resistance bands or maybe with repetition, with, you know, un- unloaded to work on these movement patterns to then down the road work on that. But that's not nobody wants to do that. You know, it's very, very tough. And for me, you know, I'm I'm trying to kind of drive this home and I sort of flip the script and trying to I'm always preaching, you know, don't skip recovery, because I think in in the athlete's mind, and even maybe in some coaches mind that makes sense, like, okay, recovery, yeah, you need to to recoup, right? To be able to then go back again and, and train some more. And so I'm trying to at least with that terminology instill these small kind of you know <laughs> movements and these small habits, awareness really, to to be able to incorporate incorporate that excuse me into the training. You know, I, I don't know if you know with the the athletes that you work with or how it is, but You know, I I try to kind of use this terminology like prehab. And in in the mind of a young athlete, they're not thinking about taking care of their body in that way because they don't, you know, unless they're in pain or something is wrong, you know? And so it's a hard, it's a hard sell. Like, well, I don't need to take it. What? I'm fine. You know? However, if you dangle the carrot and say, hey, get stronger, you want to get faster, they're all over it, you know? And so how do we, I, I constantly think of how can I, sort of bridge that gap and not just with the, with the kids, the athletes or the parents, because they don't know any better. You know, how do I do that with these coaches that are sort of placing themselves in that position? And I, and I talk about that with even coaches that I know personally. And it's, I I think it's a very delicate, you know, situation because I don't want to come across and, you know, bash them. Oh my God, are you kidding me? That's terrible. You don't know what you're doing. You know, I really don't want to do that because I don't think that brings any kind of clarity or any kind of education. It just brings separation in my opinion. And so I often personally just kind of struggle with even knowing how to approach that because I I know their intentions are good, but you know, they're just skipping a lot of steps and, but they don't know it because they're just not trained.
0: So when you're speaking about how to try and get that buy-in from your junior athletes to say that, You know, prehab is important. Prevention is better than cure. How do you manage working with different populations when you are covering injuries, injury management and injury, injury prevention? Because you've got such a massive scope working within your setting. Have you have you tapped into anything that really works for you to make sure players become invested in the the whole of their sport?
1: Yes. You know, sometimes you have to sort of let them hit the wall themselves to then realize like, oh, yes, I need to come listen to you. So that's and that'll happen, I think, in any population. Right. But I I try to really put things into perspective. And so when I'm dealing with a younger athlete or really any athlete at this point, but I I try to put into perspective sort of, you know, what we're doing in that moment or where they are in, in regards to maybe their season or what their goal is that they're currently working on. So maybe, maybe they're in their off season, maybe they're training, you know, and thinking of that next season coming up that they want to feel a certain way or have certain gains, or maybe we are right in the preseason or during season. So depending on where we're at, you know, I put things in perspective, meaning I try to then, get them to buy in to what I'm, I'm trying to teach them, at least to incorporate one thing. I try to keep it very simple and give them a quick win. And so that might be, you know, they might, I might be even observing them as they're training and maybe pick up on something uh, that I saw. And maybe I approach them and say, Hey, like, are you, it looks like when you were running, you looked a little bit, you know, tight on your right side, are you feeling okay? And maybe I start the conversation that way. And if that's the case, then they're sort of like, oh yeah, how did you know, right? And so now in their eyes, like, oh, you know, she knows what she's talking about. And so at least start a conversation like that. And then maybe I offer one simple thing, one simple intervention that in fact, they could do themselves so that they don't have to necessarily rely on me. Right. So it might be using a lacrosse ball. It might be a soft tissue, you know, technique that I teach them. And in that moment, I know that they're going to get either some relief or feel a difference or notice a difference. And this might be, so if they're not in pain, I try to, for example, have them do a movement. Maybe I have them just do a squat and, maybe get them to tell me, you know, what do they feel? Do they feel tightness or what's difficult or maybe something's painful or maybe they can't squat as low as they want. So then, you know, here's an intervention. Okay. Let's try this. And I retest. And, you know, usually there's a difference. And so for them, that's a quick win. Like, Oh wow, this worked. You know, and you can imagine with, with a younger athlete, like, Oh wow, that's magic. You know, what a trick. Right. Yeah. So at this point I know I have them hooked. And so, Now they know that that worked. And so now at least they're going to now incorporate that. And so then I tell them, well, hey, listen, tomorrow before you start training, I want you to do this and spend five minutes and do this one thing. Or maybe it's, you know, do this three times. And so I slowly try to build on that. Um, If we're dealing with a scenario where something maybe is bothering them and they're in pain or, you know, they're coming to see me because something is, you know, Again, it, something is bothering them. Then I I try to put in that perspective, and and you know, there usually nobody wants to sit out, right? It's like, hey, come fix me really quick. I, but I can't miss any training. I can't miss any second of practice or anything. And it's like, oh, geez, you know, I left my magic wand at home. But let me see what I can do. <laughs> and you know, and so in that case, if I do think that they need to scale down, then I put in put in that perspective of listen, you. Uh, I think you'd rather scale back now so that then next week in this game that's more important you're able to perform or so that then you're not dragging with this issue all the way through the season, you know? And so it's, it's usually like a give and take and I, I try to see where they're at. But typically that put things in perspective, let, letting them know that I'm on their side. I really get no pleasure out of telling them that they can't do this or that and and really get them to understand and buy in that wow okay she is on my side and i am just simply trying to give you a tool to improve this and so between that and the quick win it seems to to be the balance that i have found to to at least you know affect some kind of 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 change or influence in them
0: that's really interesting just uh as professionals, we're always taught that you've got to look at the the long term goal, the end picture that you're trying to achieve this outcome, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. um, particularly with injury prevention. You know, we want to prevent this. If this doesn't occur within the season, whatever it may, whatever non-contact pathology it may be, and you don't sustain that, then your interventions have worked. That's the pure, mm-hmm. that's a pure outcome we're always looking for. But often the short-term goals are really neglected and short-term goals are, you've got, you've nailed it. That's that opportunity for positive reinforcement. And you've yeah. clearly building upon that. And uh, with junior athletes, that's only going to help. That's only going to be them going home and saying, Hey, I spoke to Michelle about this today and it really worked. Have you ever done this before? Right. Uh, and it,
1: yeah, they're not looking. You you have to understand, too, that there's the the ideal scenario, right? This sort of utopic idea that I think we get at, at, as movement specialists and, and, and professionals that we would want nothing more than for our clientele or our athletes to listen to us 100 percent of the time and comply 100 percent of the time and you have to insert the reality of of life and sport and and I am very frank with them and in that conversation uh, that rapport and and letting them know that I'm on their side, giving that short term short term goal, as well as also realizing that I understand that you know what if if and I always give them actually this this analogy I, I always tell them. Most of the time, obviously, if we're dealing with a head injury or something you know severe, then I I tell them as well. But I usually tell them, "Listen, if this, if we had playoffs tomorrow, or if we had the you know championship tomorrow, you you know we would tape that ankle, we would go, we would go for it." However, we're not in that scenario right now, so let's scale back and let's get you ready so that then next week you're in this you know, you're this much more ahead. And that I think in their mind, it's like, okay, cool. That makes sense. So I'm letting them know with that statement, okay, it's not serious. This isn't devastating, but we can't ignore it because I don't want you to be dealing with this the entire season. However, I'm letting them know that, hey, if this was a critical moment, again, a playoff, a championship, I would do everything in my power to get them to like, let's power through if you can. You know, does that make sense? So I, And that seems to work a lot too, because, you know, I'm also realistic. Some, you know, I've had athletes that, you know, that, that very scenario, I had an athlete last year who a week before, you know, the state championship, she was a senior last, you know, her last year we were, we were going for our sixth straight championship and you can imagine senior captain goes down, (laughs) you know, no pressure but within that time frame you know she knew that we were working together and that if it was possible we were going to try our best to power through right in an ideal situation we would have more time we would have the 3 or 4 weeks of you know of recovery that was mandated by this injury and so i think adding that to the conversation also lets them know that okay you know that kind of uh, instills that trust right away.
0: You mentioned working with uh, female athletes in there as well. And that's definitely been something that I've tried to strengthen up during this period of mm-hmm. lockdown, where I, I work with predominantly male athletes all the time, uh, from a junior mm-hmm. level to professional level. And th- that's definitely a part of my skill set that is, that is weaker, trying to cater for the female athlete um Mm -hmm. not to say that they have additional needs but they they have they have different needs in terms of their injury risk absolutely yeah um and and that's just the start of it you know before we go into things like um reds and and various other pathologies um Mm -hmm. would you say you change your approach when you're working with your female athletes whether that's from a clinical perspective or management injury prevention side
1: um yes and no I think yes with the with the intent of or the awareness of knowing that obviously there's some physiological differences and some some um predispositions just anatomically um however and and you know I'm also a female so there's a different approach that comes with maybe emotionally maybe you know, in the conversation that just simply, you know, varies a little bit from male to female when I, you know, when I work with them. However, in general terms, my overall approach is is the same. You know, I try to, and I think my athletes can attest to this, both male and female. Um, there's a, there's always in my mind a, I seek to sort of figure out their personality right what are they what are they comfortable with you know their sense of humor for example i i you know i love you know sense of humor and, and sort of being sarcastic and joking around and that's part of my personality but i usually try to gauge you know socially and sort of you know personality wise where they're at and then from there sort of try to establish something where we can be you know relate and sort of be on the same page um and ultimately always making them feel comfortable and always you know with all those sort of like marked um, so I think my approach only differs in knowing that there are some predispositions So if i'm dealing with a female athlete and maybe some questions that i'm going to ask maybe you know in a in a history exam are going to to vary as opposed to to a male but other than that um, I think it really comes down to the individual and and you know you're you're going to have athletes like I have female athletes that I can push way harder than their male counterpart and that just has to do with just the personality and vice versa you know and so I think really being aware of that is ultimately uh, of most importance because you know as the professional you know you have this knowledge base and you know maybe some pathologies that males or females are predisposed to because of their physiology but when it comes down to it you know you're dealing with a human being an athlete and so i think personality for the individual is important for you to be aware of because that is going to dictate and tell you how they best receive information and how they best communicate and i think it's up to us to be able to gauge that for our interaction and and then our intervention to be effective
0: I think you've you've definitely sparked a few other conversations within those final few statements there, especially <laughs> being revolved around that athlete centered approach, which is becoming such a buzz phrase right now and becoming more and more popular, which I think is which is fantastic mm-hmm. um, in just to summarize what we've gone through today um we've covered a heap in a relatively short amount of time and working with those who are qualified is essential especially when you are approaching those moments within development like peak height velocity there are key stages that could manipulate performance within that then working in those populations that positive reinforcement in the high school setting to bridge that gap that you refer to really powerful really great tool to be using and that approach to female athletes it shouldn't really be a difference that this should only be the the difference of what the athlete's purpose is, maybe a little bit of predisposition from subjective history, but then you should be doing that with everybody. Um, so Michelle, thank you ever so much. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. I had a blast and uh, I, I could talk about all of this all day. I mean, I love, I'm passionate. I think it's very important to to be passionate, be invested. And you know, I think ultimately what has driven and helped my, my career be successful when it comes to my interaction with athletes of all levels, but especially the high school athletes, is, is getting that rapport and, and really nailing down that communication um, with them because that's gonna build the trust that then you're gonna going to need for them to actually comply uh to what it is that you want for them and and you know constantly sharpening my skills constant constantly you know educating myself and 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 really figuring out what the best tools are that I can bring to them i think is 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 really has been a game changer for me. So I I thank you for the opportunity to come on and, uh, you know, look forward to chatting some more with you.
0: That was, I think that was a perfect way to end it, Michelle, right there. Final thing, (laughs) as you know, with Machine Rehab Radio, you've got to pick a song to play us out on. So have, have you got one in mind?
1: Um, man, this is, this is tough. Um, so many good songs. Do I have to do this like literally right now? Yeah, what literally. are you listening to right now? <laughs>
0: what you, what have you got on repeat?
1: Um, I I typically listen to Spanish
0: music. Um,
1: that <laughs> I have on repeat, so I don't know if that's gonna be. Uh,
0: let's go for it. Let's go for it. What you if that
1: if that's fine? Yeah. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So there's this song. It actually came out last summer, but it's totally um, it's totally the vibe. It's called Calma. Um C A L M A.
0: Perfect. And,
1: and uh, you know, it's just got that summery vibe. It's uh you know, it's from my hometown, Puerto Rico, so um that's kind of the been the mood lately.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Michelle. I'm I'm really grateful that you've we're accepting to come on and I'm um, I'm looking forward to everybody listening to this and hopefully taking something away.
1: Absolutely. Thank you again for the opportunity and I'll I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Take care.